And uh, I guess I will now invite our liturgist to, to come and say our, uh, say our scripture for us, since nobody came up for children's moment. Okay, thank you, Robin. Let's hear the word of our Lord. The first reading this morning is from Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. And the second reading is from John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servants also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Holy wisdom, holy words. I'll just get it out of the way at the beginning and tell you that I have successfully resisted the urge to discuss at length the various words commonly translated as faith. For example, the Hebrew, emuna, bata, or mase, or the Greek words pistis, gnosis, and sophia, or the implications and assumptions we can draw from the call and hefil verb patterns as they describe two different types of action words in Hebrew. <laughs> uh, but I'll save that for the class which you can sign up for in the narthex. Just kidding. (laughs) There's one person in this room who wants to take that class. Oh, that's kind of... I'm sorry for you. Okay. But but faith is hard to translate, uh, isn't it? Uh, it's, It's personal. And just as we grow and mature in our faith, or just as we grow and mature, so does our faith, and so should it. Um, It's important that it do so. As children... We learn about Jesus and God and how we are to live in a totally different way, and we accept it all without question, which is there's a pureness to that. And that's wonderful. Uh, And that's why we reconfirm our faith when we're older, so that we know a little bit more what we're signing on for. But, uh, But along the way, we may question. We may reject some of the premises we grew up with. We may feel the need for a deeper understanding Uh, We may struggle with the doctrine. We may start wondering on some level, you know, what is it really all about? 
And that is the beginning, I think, of our adult grappling with the heart of faith. What does it mean to me in my life? For many of us, this awakening, this deepening need for faith comes with a a sense of longing, almost hard to define, of yearning for something more. We may have tried to satisfy that longing, sometimes appropriately and sometimes not so appropriately. But as Blaise Pascal says, in one of my favorite quotes, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God. And today's text speaks to that. In the idea of a new covenant, not written in stone, but upon our hearts. Upon our hearts. The psalm also speaks to this as it asks God to create a clean heart within us and for wisdom in that secret heart. And again, hear that word. It's a secret place. It's unknowable almost, but it's deeply, deeply personal. The text from Jeremiah says that this new covenant where God will place God's law within our hearts is not just for a chosen few, but for all of us so that we can all know God. There's a universality there that speaks to each of our ability to discern by listening to our own heart of hearts, the heart that God placed there, our God-given heart, for how faith is moving within us. Sorry. And then we have the text from John, where Jesus says that those who love their lives will lose it, and that a grain of wheat has to die in order to bear fruit. And he talks about his death, which is appropriate for this Lenten season, but not just his death. He talks about the death to their old life of whoever would follow and serve him. So what does that mean? I found this quote from Aidan Tozer, um, an American evangelical pastor and a writer, and I think it really wonderfully ties those two themes together. So the the reason, he says, why many are still troubled, still seeking, and still making very little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders, he says, and interfering with God's work within us. In other words, in order to follow God's law within our hearts, we have to come to the end of our own ideas about how anything should work, how things should go, what we expected to have happen, what we planned on. We have to let go. We have to die a little ego death, if you will, if we're ever going to be able to make room for God. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors and, of course, significant influence in Christianity in the modern generation, C.S. Lewis Oh, and uh, Sabrina's not here now, but this is from his book, Mere Christianity. And Sabrina has placed that book out in the um, library display. It's worth taking a look at. But he puts it this way. Now, we cannot discover our failure to keep God's law except by trying our very, very hardest and then failing. He seems to indicate that failure is inevitable. We are not perfect. We are people. Just like I can't. Turn the page. But, he says, but unless we really try, there will always be at the back of our minds this idea that if only we try harder next time, we will succeed in being perfectly good, completely good. 
So in one sense, the road back to God is a road of moral effort, of trying harder and harder. But in another sense, it isn't trying that is ever going to bring us home. And all this trying just leads up to that vital moment at which you turn to God and say, I can't do this. You have to do it. To live faithful lives means we we have to let go of the reins. Just like the AA motto, let go and let God, we have to be willing to lose our old life, our old way of understanding. But how many times do we hear people say, and I'm guilty of this, I would be faithful if, if I had a sign, if I knew there was a point to it, if I knew it would help me, um, if I knew it would bring reward. I'd have faith if faith were real, if, if I would breathe, if I could just completely understand how that breath gives me life. I'd believe in the mystery if I could only pinpoint it. But faith doesn't work that way. Um, and all these ifs put a condition on God. I'm pretty sure God's love for us is unconditional. Uh, so we need to let loose of our conditions on God if we are going to grow past our limited understanding of God and of faith. About a decade or so, I took a dream trip into the Amazon rainforest. I'd been planning it for years. Um, we crossed into Brazil from Peru at the, at the northwest part of the continent. And then we took the Amazon River itself up to camp. And I, I didn't know what to expect, but I was very surprised. It's, it's a flat, completely flat, wide river because it's a floodplain. Um, but it's just magnificent. And so we, uh, from camp every day, we would take canoes up and down the river uh, to look for wildlife and do bird watching. We saw the most amazing creatures there that are nowhere else in the world, pink river dolphins. Let's think about that for a minute. It's not your normal picture of a dolphin. Uh, parrots and macaws, other brightly colored and strange birds. I don't even remember the names of giant tree sloths, monkeys. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but you can smell monkeys a long time before you can see them. <laughs> uh. But it was, it was a magical trip. It was an amazing trip. And uh, many, many, many beautiful memories. But the highlight of the trip for me was the zip line through the canopy. Uh, that, for me, was really kind of the point of going. Now, I've been a tree climber my whole life. I still climb trees. Some of you won't be too surprised by that. So I thought, no problem. I'll climb up this ladder, a 100-foot ladder. No ladders. Isn't that the rule now? No. La- this was then. I'm not going to do this again. No ladders. But I got to the platform, um, which is... You know, they rope you in, they put you in a vest, they hook you up, and then you're supposed to leap off. And I completely froze. I could not move. I could barely breathe. I was shaking like a leaf. And the guide turned to the other guide and said, Ella tiene miedo. She has fear. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I had fear! Well, but you're up there, and, I mean, you have to go. You've got to leap. I I guess I could have climbed back down the ladder, but I was shaking so hard, I don't think I would have even made it. Uh, And there's no way you're going to fall. I knew that. I could see 
all the ways I was hooked in a million ways from Sunday. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> I couldn't move. So, but I, you know, I had to, I had to take the leap, and so I did. Or maybe it's possible that I was pushed just a little bit. It's possible, okay? But it was amazing. After the push, I've never felt more free. 360 degrees views of the trees and of the horizon, and you're sailing along like a bird. Woo! And about halfway through, I was like, no, I don't want it to end. Please, I want to go back and start over again. But yet, you slow down, and you land on the other side, and phenomenal. And then you stand there, and I knew just how that person on the other end of that zip line must have been feeling. And I cheered them on, and I cheered them on. And I think that whole story for me is a metaphor of faith. Faith isn't logical. It doesn't work that way. You may know the zip line is there, and I did. I I knew it was able to support me. That didn't make a difference. It doesn't help. You may know that God is there, strong and able to support you. But that's in your head. That's logic. Not faith in your God-given heart. Maybe that's why we say, take heart. When we're encouraging someone, we don't say, take brain, have a, have a head. We say, have a heart, take heart. Um, because our brains just want to hang on to grasp more and more knowledge to know and understand and categorize and theorize. But listening with the heart <sighs> teaches us to let go and, and to have faith. You can't trust in God with a closed fist. And that means letting go of fear, of anger, of pride, of anything that keeps you from feeling the power and glory and grace of God's love. And maybe some of us need a little push. I did. But there's the other side of faith, too. Once you land in your faith, you have to encourage others in theirs. And maybe you're even the one setting up the zip lines, making church in new ways that renew the covenant, that help people return to God, that bring faith to life. The faith that underneath it all, whether we're high in the canopy or right here down on the ground, God is holding us gently, lovingly guiding us and companioning us throughout our lives from the very depths of our own heart. When we lose faith, as even Jesus did at Gethsemane, we feel deeply bereft. It isn't like any other sense of loss or disappointment. It's as though our entire world were dissolving. And then when we are restored to faith, it brings the deepest sense of joy and gratitude. So where are you on your zipline of faith? Trembling in fear? Unable to let go of control, taking that first leap, getting a little push from your friends, doing the pushing, flying free and wild in God's radical love, landing safely on the other side, encouraging others to take that first leap. And where is God calling you next? Okay, I'm going to end by breaking my promise. Well, not entirely, just a little bit. 
keep bumping that thing. But there's a, a blog that I found on the meaning of the Hebrew word emunah, which is the word most commonly translated as faith. And as I read it, I was just so struck by how it seemed to point straight to the life of Jesus. So I wanted to share it with you. The three-letter root of emunah is aman. Aman means something that is supported or secure. And this word is used in Isaiah uh, chapter 22, verse 23, for a nail that is fastened to a secure place. And as I read that, I thought, I know another story about a nail and a cross. And I know that my faith rests on that cross. Derived from this root is also the word emun, meaning a craftsman. A craftsman is one who's firm and secure in his talent. I know another story about a craftsman, a carpenter. Firm and secure in his faith in God. Faith is usually perceived as knowing, but the Hebrew emunah is an action. It means something or someone that is firm in their actions. I know someone firm in their actions, in the temple, in the crowds, on the water, even unto death. To have faith in God is not knowing that God exists or knowing that God will act. Rather, it is that the one with the munah, with faith, will act with firmness toward God's will. Jesus acted in unison with God's will and therefore was unified with God forever. Forever. And finally, the root for emunah, aman, is where we get our word, amen. So how perfect is it that we end all our prayers with an affirmation of faith? Will you pray with me? Lord, help us feel you holding us, whether we're trembling in fear or secure in your love. Help us feel your movement in our lives, whether we're full of awe or frozen to the spot. Help us hear the words that you've placed on our heart, our tender heart. And help us follow those words. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.